Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Well, hello and welcome once again to Spotty, streaming to you live from Melbourne town here at the Attica News Studios located in glamorous Richmond, where we shine the spotlight on your shares and answer your questions live on air. So how do you ask them? You may have forgotten over the weekend. Well, you can text us 0480 079 089 or you can email us question at spotty.com.au. A number of you have taken the moments of contemplation over the weekend to send us your questions early so thank you very much in advance for that but of course if you have that uh, uh, itch that you need scratched then by all means send it through right now and you will see those contact details appear at the bottom of the screen throughout the show so let's bring in today's chief spotters and look well the air is getting crisper here in melbourne and some are starting to look for truffles well this man sniffs out stocks instead it's richard hemming from under the radar report g'day richard how you doing Hi, Elio. It's great to be here. Great to be back on um, on Spotty. No, great to have you back, mate. Well, look, before yeah, before we get an insight into your expertise, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your investing background, and then more importantly, the great business that you've built there at Under the Radar Report. Yeah, well, we focus on small caps, and we're you know we're looking for growth. We're looking for stocks that haven't been uncovered by the market. So we're looking for that double whammy effect. So we're looking for growth and then when they get uncovered you get that re-rating so you know it's been a successful strategy and we're we're very we're, we're very lucky to play in the space that we do yeah and hence why it's a lucrative business uh, sniffing small caps and uh, truffles as well you can go to the website actually <laughs> under the radar report.com uh, there's a free trial there on the home page you can't miss it you can just enter your details and go for your life there to see Richard at work for the next two weeks free of charge. Well, next is someone who, well, let's face it, he's done his fair share of truffle eating. It's Frank Watkins from across the Nullarbor and from from software trading firm ProTrader. G'day, uh, how are you going, Frank? Very well, very well. Living in the best place in the world, you know, it just doesn't get much better. I oh, know, I know. And uh, yeah, by one o'clock, you can then shut the computer down and go fishing. Don't worry, I got my eyes on retirement there, my good man. I'll uh, see you soon enough. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, condensed to a minute, if you don't mind, or even less, hopefully. Um, and more importantly, again, the great business that you've built there at ProTrader Software, because you've been around as long as I have, which is quite a long time. Yeah, look, uh, personally, first traded 1969, Poseidon Boom. Started uh, as a commodity broker in 1986 in Adelaide. Started teaching technical analysis in the Securities Institute in Adelaide in about 87. Um, various things in between, but uh, late 90s, 
decided that there was a gap in the market with a decent piece of scanning software. That was the, the start of ProTrader and um, last 21, 22 years been employing full-time programmers to keep the software uh, up to speed and finding the stocks that you want to find. And protradersoftware.com.au is where you can go to learn more about the services that Frank provides. And uh, also something I just discovered, Frank, uh, your 50 best trading tips, all for $10. So that's available on the website too. So if you want a little bit of a dip in there to get a bit of an insight into how Frank sees the world, um, which can be a little bit warped, but you know what, it works, um, then it only costs you $10. You can get to see that as well. Just go to the website find out more. Well, currently, as we go to where the market's seesawing at the moment, bit up, bit down, but uh, currently uh, just slightly down. Uh, started off uh, a little bit okay, and then sort of went right down almost half a percent and then rebound. It's a really interesting day. So let's look at the market news and what might be at play here. But before that, uh, just some news from Friday. Um, we got the latest version of the ASX musical chairs, of course, instead as Standard & Poor's announced. Uh, changes to the index constituation, uh, constituents, I should say, uh, for our major indices. Uh, some inclusions into the ASX 200 benchmark include Coden, uh, Champion Iron, Hub 24, uh, Nickel Mines, Pilbara Nickel, and UX, uh, simply because of its size. Uh, of course, some have had to go, such as Bravura Solutions, Sandfire Resources, and Service Stream. Now, Richard, as we alluded to in the introduction, your goal in corporate life is to find companies that one day will grow into this type of status. However, for those that have been late to the party, question is, you know, should we consider buying or, you know, selling for that matter, based on an inclusion into the index like the ASX uh, 200 and 300? Because let's face it, it does get more eyeballs um, once it does come in. Is that enough of a catalyst to take a position in your view? Oh, when I first, uh, when I started at the AFR, I wrote, a, I wrote some articles about this kind of inclusion um, you know, effect. And I think it's pretty, it's pretty dubious. I think, um, like I, I tend to not, not try to base an investment strategy on going to be included. If it is included too late, um, if you can get it, I think like our strategy of looking for stocks well before you even think about inclusion is a much safer strategy. Um, because then by the, you know, you're getting that re-rating effect, which naturally occurs from analysts rather than from simply being included. Um, I, I, I've yet to, to hear of a professional investor or anyone successfully making money from that strategy. And that's what, that's, that, that was basically born by talking to a lot of fund managers at the time. And I don't think anything's changed, you know, circa 15 years later. <laughs> Well, it's the whole name of the game, isn't it really? Survivorship bias, as we call it, just sticking the ones before they get in and get out of the ones before they get out. Rather than waiting for it to happen, it can be a little bit late. But thanks very much for those insights there, Richard. Um, Evolution Mining, EVN is their code. Well, they've entered into an agreement to acquire Canadian gold mine developer Battle North Gold. Uh, Evolution will acquire the company's shares at some $2.65 Canadian. Uh, that makes it worth around $350 million Aussie dollars, uh, which is around 46% premium, actually, to Battle North's last closing price. So, Frank, um, Evolution up a little bit today, up around 3% um, in regards to that. It's been a tough run, as it has been for most of the goldies. It's still some 20% off 
or higher than its uh, March COVID lows. I know that's been a pretty important base for you in recent times when it comes to looking at stocks. Just be interested in your thoughts in regards to EVN, uh, where it sits right now and today's bounce. And then a broader comment about gold in general, because let's face it, none of you charters get on this program without having to give us your view in regards to it, because there's a lot of people watching. Yeah, Elio, the um, EVN chart, all we've had really since November is lower lows and lower highs. So uh, since November, we've gone from about 6.40 down to $4 roughly. That's um, hardly promising. I also think that EVN is going to follow the gold price to a large degree. Once you start producing, the bean counters come out and work out how many shares, how many ounces, how much per ounce. And that's pretty much the end of any uh, outrageous blue sky. So for mine, you know, I'd be steering clear of EVN right at the moment. And as far as gold's concerned, I think you can, you can see what gold is doing by looking at the um, gold stocks. You know, St. Barbara down at $2. Uh, there's there's hardly anything flying, and I can't can't see any great reason for gold to go for a gallop. Uh, you know, we know Biden's there. We know he's there for another three and a half years. We know what he's going to do, barring you know, something like COVID to spark gold up. Uh, I just think we're going to drift. And uh, I just can't get excited about gold prices or gold stocks right at the moment. Subject to change at a moment's notice. Yeah, of course, inevitably. Just read the tape. That's how we do it uh, there at Pro Trader, Frank. Uh, gold uh, having finding a little bit of support, actually, currently at $1,725 US, but it is picking itself up off a pretty deep canvas given recent highs. Um, just briefly, in other news, manganese miner Jupiter Mines has had a chat to its lawyers and figured out that they can split its business and create the new Juno entity uh, that they want to, which owns the Mount Mason Hermitide project. Uh, the requirements of the Foreign Investment Review Board are actually uh, imposed on shareholders, not on the company itself. So they're going um, to uh, basically attack the prospectus with some liquid paper and they'll be good to go again soon. Interestingly, uh, the price fell initially when the split fell through and then recovered. Um, subsequent to that. And today it's now fallen because it is going through. Just the market behaving normally, folks. Any more corporate action news? Tilt Renewables, TLT, said that it's entered into a scheme of arrangement with Powering Australia Renewables and Mercury New Zealand, who uh, basically are after the windmill assets. Uh, Infatrol and Mercury are major shareholders. They've agreed to the terms. Uh, tilt shareholders will receive $7.80 in New Zealand dollars, uh, a share in cash. All right, then, folks, it's time for us to get into uh, your questions now. Just a reminder that all the information on uh, today's program is of a general nature only. None of it takes into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. So therefore, you need to consider those in light of your own personal circumstances. Past performance is no indicator of future performance, of course. And if you require a discussion with anyone other than your significant other in life about any of this content today, then you need to do so with an advisor that's licensed to have those discussions with you. And of course, remember, uh, our guests do invest in shares. We try to remember that if we do have a particular holding in a business that is discussed, but in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, sometimes we forget. So feel free to contact us directly and we'll be happy to clarify our position. And Spotty is proud to be powered by our great friends at ShareWorld Systems. 
Go to the website, sharewealthsystems.com to learn how they have helped Australian investors outperform for many, many years now by giving them an edge over others. So be the tortoise and win the race of investing life. Go to sharewealthsystems.com to learn more. All right then, gentlemen, it's time for us to uh, get into questions. And I'm going to go open up with you, uh, Richard, if I can. Steve has asked this question twice, so he's pretty keen to get your view. He's asked the question directly of you. The question or the company in question is Vmoto. The code is VM for Mary, T for Tom, for those of you playing along at home. Uh, the company's in a, an electric vehicle manufacturer of motorbikes and scooters. But the best way for me to put it is you see all those food delivery things that nearly kill themselves and cause dent in your bumper bars. Well, those, ba those things basically. They've been on a tear, um, Richard. Um, future orders in January 2021 alone have exceeded more than half of last year's sales, according to the company. VMT, Steve's desperate to hear your word. What do you think? Are we, um, you know, we've been long sort of term supporters of Vmodo. Um, it's an interesting company because it's had a couple of different lives, like management have resuscitated it once from, from going down a commoditized route and concentrating on the Chinese market to concentrating really on the more lucrative kind of um, export market from a Chinese perspective. And they've got some really good distribution agreements. Um, basically, we took profits at around 59 cents. And since it's come back, we, we, we think it's much better value. Um, they did a, a positive update at the start of the year showing positive orders um, from a go sharing in, in the Netherlands. So delivery companies are really, a, as, you, as you were saying, Helio, a growing area for this company. Um, momentum in sales is positive. The company's just launched three new models. And today I noticed it signed an MOU with um, one of India's largest travel technology companies, uh, whatever that means. But the numbers <laughs> look good with 10,000 um, units in the first year worth almost $14 million. So they're, they're, you know, they're coming up with a steady stream of, of announcements that are all pretty positive. Like all these small announcements sort of add up to a big future in our view. So I, I must say, I, I, I really, it's really refreshing to see a, a company based in China succeeding because so many of them are, are flash in the pans. Mm -hmm. And this one, I think, has, has legs or wheels. Yeah, although it might even have an electric motor, one would argue. The, uh, yeah, look, uh, can't deny the <laughs> demand has been incredibly strong. The question will be when does that normalise and when does that settle all down, Steve. But yeah, look, I mean, in terms of the, the company's progression, really making quite strong headrooms in a very niche market. I'll go to you. Uh, I'll also ask you this question too uh, about this stock in a moment, uh, Richard, but I will go to Frank first because it is a stock that always constantly comes up on this program. Um, and, you know, I, I, probably because they're hoping for a different answer than the one that they keep getting. But nonetheless, it's a different person, so I'm going to respect that. Blake, you've asked about Appen, code APX. He's looking for a medium-term outlook on this one here, Frank. Obviously, we know that it's come on some troubled times. Its report was pretty much savagely sold down, although it would appear its price has found a bit of support at these levels. Um, it's halted its freefall. And from a medium-term perspective, I suppose key levels that uh, someone like a young Blake should be watching from here on in. Yeah, look, um, again, this this has just been showing a series of um, lower lows, lower highs, gapping down. It's it's really been in a lot of trouble. Uh, 
at best, there's probably support around the $15 level. Yes, we're at about $17.70 or $80 at the moment. But, um, yeah, will, will this current little move in the last couple of weeks be any more than a dead cat bounce? If you want the answer to that, you've just got to give it a bit more time and hope mm. that we see a higher high and a um, higher low. At the moment, we've got a bit of a high. We want that to retrace a little bit, not as low as the previous low, and then carry on upwards. Uh, there will be resistance at about 21.50, but um, would I buy that right at the moment? No, if I was holding it, uh, I'd, I'd hang on, but uh, I'd be living in hope. Yeah, well, hope's not necessarily the best investment strategy, is it, Richard? So I suppose the next question then is, is there hope for Appen? I mean, notwithstanding that, you know, one would have argued that back when they were up close towards $40, they were overvalued. Well, yep, stating the obvious. But, you know, surely a 50% pullback in a business like this might be enough to get interested, or do you think you'd still be wanting some further confirmation at the bleeding stock? Yeah, I think it was, it, it's concerning when they put as one of their reasons um, for the recent downgrade because um, they didn't um, they missed FY twenty one guidance. That's been the reason for the the most the latest fall. Um, that you know they cited COVID, which I think is really against the trend of most digital technology companies, which have mm. really been um, <laughs> you know COVID has supercharged their business models, and and I think with this company. It's also got question marks over the evolving regulatory environment, which is interesting in itself. Um, but they've entered China, so that's positive, but succeeding is another thing. I mean, they've got growth off a very low base. Um, I just think, you know, they're at the mercy of the big guns, aren't they? Um, and, and that's what led to the first sort of real big sell-off in the in the stock. Um, so it's it, there's so many question marks to, to step in, you really have to know something. Um, you have to be pretty confident that that this kind of deterioration in fundamentals can, will stop. And just off the back of a downgrade is not the time to step in. I don't think anyone's ever said, oh, downgrade, that's an opportunity to buy. Well, if they did, <laughs> I'm not sure it worked out for them. <laughs> Well, sometimes deep value investors will look for those cathartic type events to sort of create the opportunity. But I think Frank will concur. You wait for a price to find a base first before overcommitting there. And look, chances are, <clears throat> hopefully they do recover from this, but there's no uh, need to uh, uh, run because the bus is going to take some time before it pulls out of the station, methinks. Um, Frank, Woodside Petroleum. Kevin asked this last week. Sorry, I couldn't get to it, Kevin. Um, it is obviously our largest oiler on the exchange in the Northwest Shelf, predominantly here in Australia, but also other assets all over the world. Its price has pretty much tracked sideways since January, irrespective of the fact that gold, uh, oil had a little bit of a rally. Um, what do you make of uh, good old Woodside? Because let's face it, unfortunately, it's underperformed the market for many, many years, and yet it's our best oiler. Is there a problem with the sector or a problem with the business, or is the chart telling us something different? Uh, look, I, I actually think there must be a problem with the business. Um, the the sideways movement since January is could be construed as positive. Uh, simply, we're moving you know a bit higher and a bit lower than that twenty five dollar level. So, 
if we can well and truly clear 25, there'll be a bit in it, but still strong resistance at uh, the $30 level. I don't see why uh, you'd be in Woodside uh, when Santos is out there performing pretty well. And, um, okay, I've been asked about Woodside. Well, would I buy it? No. Why wouldn't I? I think there's better out there. Technically, you know, it, it's really got a convincingly break, actually probably about $26 before I'd even consider buying it. Um, there is support at about 23.70, but it's not great support. So, um, and given the strength in uh, crude, I'd have expected Woodside to do a lot better. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's a pretty fair uh, summation there. And yeah, I tend to uh, share that same sentiment too. Just unfortunately, being a little bit tough. Um, Look, I'll just quickly ask you about two little small cap growth stocks, if I don't mind there, Young Richard, both with a low PE, as Clivis points out. The code is AMO, which is a Infirmary O for Oscar. Amber Tech is that. And then the good old Morning Herald, TMH, which is, of course, once known as the Hot Copper. That's their name, but then they changed over to their publishing arms. So, uh, well, maybe actually don't comment on that because that might be a little bit sensitive. But AMO, do you have a view in regards to that business there, Richard? Yeah, just quickly, um, our, our mining analyst, Peter Chilton, likes some um, Woodside. Just, oh, okay. um, I, I guess um, the uh, the production profile is looking pretty positive. I mean, it's it's in LNG. That's its, that's its bread and butter. I mean, it's not really much of an oil producer, but they're developing the Scarborough project, which so that means that they have new gas to sell. They, you know, I think they're they're uh, you know they've got some some good LN, LNG supply contracts. So I think that I think the outlook's fairly sanguine on that. Mm-hmm. Um, in relation to Ambertech. I had the media and look at that, and he, he, um, yeah, he says it's it looks you know quite cheap based on based on the first half EBITDA, and it's only got three million of debt. Um, so so you know some of that growth is going to come from the recent acquisition. Uh, like I think it's the kind of company that we that we look for. It just looks like on the on the small side. So I think for us it's a watch list because it's just so small at market cap of less sub twenty million, but it's definitely one one to keep an eye on, Ilio. And did you did you want to know something about the market herald? Yeah, go for it. Um, I think he's like they had fast growth in revenue and profit in the first half, but a lot a lot of that comes from revalued equity investments. Yeah. So. It's got sash. There could be some some upside from a USA venture they're doing. It looks it looks expensive, but it's not in nosebleed territory. So, I think that's 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 a probably one to keep an eye on as well. Frank, I want to just you know you you your wealth of knowledge, sage man here, the calm one amongst all of us. Hot copper has been part of our investing lives now for over a decade. And look, many people who are tuning into this program may very well be fans of the forum. Um, And look, you know, from time to time, there is some good information in there as well. But what words of advice would you give someone who may be at the newer, at the start of their investing journey, relying heavily in regards to 
sources like that and Twitter and all that sort of thing, you know, to glean their financial information, just what, what bits of guidance could you provide them, um, you know, in order to help them navigate, which is, I would call, good call it a Trevor Trove of information, but it's also uh, something else, which I might get uh, canned for. So I better not um, actually say it on air. Your views, Frank, just on the whole uh, hot copper thing? Well, first, first thing from a share market point of view, um, on the 10th of March, volume 88,000, the value traded was only $43,000. The next day, volume 7,000 traded was $3,000 worth. So very thinly traded. I'd be very careful of that. As far as someone um, starting to trade tomorrow, and going to uh, the Market Herald for advice or guidance or hot tips or whatever. The only thing I could say probably is keep an eye on it for about six months. Work out who is posting good stuff and who isn't. Then maybe start taking some notice of it. And I think that's probably more true of the last 12 months with so many brand new investors looking for guidance, going to um, TMH and uh, perhaps not quite finding what they thought they were going to find. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, personally, I haven't looked at uh, Hot Copper since 2003. Um, but I've, I've got the view, if something is all over Twitter, Hot Copper, Facebook, I tend to look the other way and go and find my own stocks and just stay away from the FOMO and the mad rush. Make up your own mind. Uh, just look at a chart. The chart will tell you uh, exactly what's going on. All right. So uh, you'll be glad to know after 17 or 18 years, Frank, it's still going strong. So uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, without your yep. participation, but that's all uh, all good. Uh, look, we're about halfway in, folks. We're a little over that now. So just a reminder, go to the website, uh, spotty.com.au to watch replays of the show and will be available on podcasts as well. And remember also to take some time to download the Share Wealth Systems white paper, 16traits.com. Uh, that's a special website. To learn the qualities required to be a successful investor as authored by our great friend Gary Stone, who's actually on the show tomorrow. Such as the need, for example, to, well, before you invest a single dollar, actually invest in yourself. Because if someone can prove to me that investing today is the same as 10 years ago, as the same as when I started 20 years ago, or the same when Frank started back when Alpha Centauri was actually uh, created or born as a star, then I will show you an un unsuccessful trader and investor. Because like it or not, we've got to continue to invest in ourselves to obtain new knowledge and skills to remain ahead of the game. And in Gary's case, well, to stay in business, which he's done for over 25 years, of course. So accepting there is more that you don't know rather than what you know means that when it comes to money management, you will basically you know, stay ahead of the game and investing in yourself and never resting on your laurels. Because the last people that rested on their laurels, of course, were Romans. And uh, well, we know what happened to them. So download the ebook 16 Trades, that's 16trades.com to get started today to learn to invest in yourself before you invest in the market. Uh, speaking of which, as we go to where the market currently are uh, having a look there, well, I don't know if that's actually correct on the screen. So bear with me a moment as I update my little system, jumping from 50 screens to another, as I do, as I'm trying to answer everyone's questions. 
Uh, the XAO, oh, Jesus, disappeared. Uh, no, currently flat at the moment, so just on zero. So we've uh, got our own there. No, no, that doesn't look like that's right, Mike. But nonetheless, keep pushing that button, mate. It might eventually refresh. Um, let's get back into questions. Um, I do want to touch on, um, oh, and Nini, that one was also for you with regards to AMO. But Adrian asks about Whisper. Code is WSP, Richard. Um, would like to know our thoughts. It's down over 10% from its last placement at $3.75, Adrian notes, um, and just wants to know whether the current share price could possibly be an opportunity to acquire some shares. So just uh, a WSP, your uh, views in regards to that business, Richard? Yeah, um, thanks for the question. Uh, it looks it looks like a, a pretty solid business. Like, um, you know, they had good first half revenue growth, you know, um, they, they don't, it doesn't look expensive by US cloud valuation standards. Um, like I think, and they've, you know, they've raised, they've raised some capital. So our media analyst likes it, um, or says that, you know, it's, it's investable. So I think, um, definitely, you know, definitely, I think it's got a good, it's got a good future. Um, Frank, I mean, obviously the question comes, you know, the, as we like to call or affectionately know them as the flippers, whereby, you know, after a capital raise, you get that price and then there's people that drop. So just from an education perspective, again, if you wouldn't mind, and using Whisper as an example, you know, what sort of things should investors, particularly those with a shorter term time frame, longer term, it's irrelevant. The business will do what it's got to do in order to return, generate that return. But in regards to the short term, what sort of things should investors be looking for when there is that capital raising? And in particular, that action when the price comes back towards what the actual issue price was? Yeah, look, um, you, you've hit the nail on the head. As a general rule, prices come back to the, um, the issue price. I think people have got to remember that um, once you've got the capital, there's, there's potentially going to be announcements about how we're going to spend it. So that's one thing. You've, you've got to work out how they're going to spend it. Is it going to work? And, um, uh, you know, that takes time. There might be plans in place that are shown to you when they're raising capital. That will give you something when they do a campaign. But uh, it takes a while to put that into effect. So even for flippers, I wouldn't be rushing in there. Um, the, the main thing is, I think there's very, very good support at the $3 level. Okay, we're around 350 at the moment. Uh, there's resistance just over the $4 level. So we're, we've been going sideways for six months now. Need to break out of that range um if you told me that i had to uh do something with this at the moment looking three days five days or one week out i'd probably buy it um but gee i'd, I'd have tight stop losses i wouldn't risk much uh in in this one at the moment just needs to do a bit more work i think the long term looks promising Okay, thank you very much for that, Frank. Now, uh, Richard, I won't ask Frank for his view on this next gold stock, but I will uh, ask you in case one of your mining analysts have looked at it. Um, the company in question, it comes from Ben, this question, interested in the panel's view on Bellevue Gold. The code is BGL for those playing along at home. It's had some good drilling results, strong price run up. However, of course, 
it did have that relatively large sell-off on there, which was unknown at the time or what was occurring. Don't know if they were related, but then there were also issues in regards to appointing an auditor to which the company went into trading hold for a few days. It's come out of that. The price fell quite heavily on the back of that, but it has since recovered somewhat, but not to those pre-levels. But that's pretty much in line with what gold prices have done. BGL, Richard, um, one that your house has a view on? Yeah, we looked at it last week or the week before. Um, it's got a strong um, gold project um, producing good numbers. Mm. So, um, you know, basically, you know, they've got they've got cash of 128 million. So their you know their capital expenditures 269 or something with the financing sort of underway. So I think um, you know first gold is supposed to be later late in calendar year 22. So I think it definitely looks like a, a, um, a, you know, a project that has legs, Helio. Like it's one of the better ones that we've run, run a ruler across. It's got a like, you know, a seven and a half year mine life. Mm. So, uh, and low cost of, um, um, low, low operating costs at, um, you know, just over a thousand dollars an ounce Australian. So it looks like you know, it looks like it's in the ballpark of what we what we'd invest in. Yeah, I mean, look, that seven and a half year mine life you talked about actually when they released that to market, there were some a little disappointed by that, but I hasten to add, oh, of right. course, that yeah, that, sorry. Oh no, that's a surprise that that was <laughs> that that was um, a disappointment. Yeah, right. because because everyone wants, of course, the grey mother low to lock away 30 years, but it doesn't just happen on a drill bit, right? So there's further extensions which are yet to play out, which is really the critical thing here. And as you've just mentioned, Richard, it is highly cashed up, so that also uh, comes uh, to its advantage. Um, I will go to you for this one, Frank, uh, because Lani has asked for a technical opinion on ABP, which is Abacus Property Group. Um, it is a, a property trust. It's got a lot of those... Uh, uh, you know, um, office uh, and uh, you know, retail assets, which unfortunately have been shunned in the property space. It does have industrial, though, so it gets a bit of benefit of that. But now it's copped the double whammy of the bond trade thing with bond rates going up and now markets valuing down. So Lani's just looking for some support or what next key level to be watching from here on in. Um, and if, uh, uh, if it is able to hold that, what level then the narrative would change in regards to uh, ABP? Because it's been a, f a tough few months. Yeah, look, I think if you're in ABP at the moment, uh, the main thing there, I'm showing a 6.52% unfranked divvy. I'm not sure if they're still paying that, but uh, if they are, you need to take that into account. I think there's pretty strong support at around $2.60. Uh, we have recent resistance at around $2.80, $2.90. Uh, still trying to recover from COVID. Um, and it, it, it is a stock that hasn't really done much by way of recovering from COVID. Um, you know, it's a really slow burner, I think, this one. Uh, a lot of the other property, um, real estate investment trusts, that type of thing, have done a bit better than ABP. So um, I think it's just patience required and enjoy that dividend uh, while it's there, if you're going to stay in the stock. All right, thank you very much. Now, Richard, I'll be coming to you for your two Helio. stocks uh, to watch in a moment. Oh, sorry, yeah, go Richard. 
I just I just actually looked at this one before we came on to air. I think it's really interesting. Um, AVP. Oh, okay. Well, what is like, that? What, know, what, the, what what is it in their assets? Why, that... they're, they're transforming from being like basically, um, like the, they're getting out of um, residential development. So that's why they've, you know, that's why they've had some weakness, but they're getting out of that. But the stuff that they're keeping is going really well. Like, you know, they're in um, self storage. Those that income was up seventeen percent. Commercial property up twenty four percent. So it just looks like one that's a lot, a lot's going on beneath the, beneath the surface. And I think it, it actually does look like it has a good future from a property. Um, you know, yield dividend yield forecast of six point. Three percent. That looks good. It's in the midpoint of where property trust should be. Anyway, I'm saying it's more encouraging than not with this stock. And if you look at the fundamentals, it's got a, you know, a pretty strong future. And if it can hold that level that uh, Frank mentioned, then uh, yeah, maybe uh, one for you to consider, Lani. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, Richard, I'll come to you for your two stocks to watch um, in a moment, and then Frank, you'll be after that. But before I do, I just got to tie up one from Craig, who sent this question last week about a company called Stellar Resources, SRZ. Now. Unfortunately, the he wanted our view. Unfortunately, the price reflects the story. It has projects in Western Tasmania uh, at Hemskirk, which is uh, or Hemskirk, depending on which side of the river you were born. Uh, you know, they had to raise in September at one set. The underwriter had to fork out fifty-four percent of that. And fast forward to today, well, tin is running hot. Just ask the cat. Tungsten producer King Island Shiite, which is a, a ripper of a stock, and I've talked about that before. They just got $10 million uh, interest-free loan from the Tasmanian government, so the government's supportive of the industry there. Um, further to uh, that, uh, well, King Island's actually gone into a trading hold, and guess what? SRV has just done the same. So, look, the thing is with SRV, it does look good. It, it, the question is, is it too good to be true? It hit $0.04 cents on that news, and then a flood of selling occurred. The usual, well, let's call it pump and dump for the use of a better term. But obviously, it just ran ahead of itself. So if you're in it for the grind, there are some positive signs emerging, um, especially with tin holding current levels. But if you're in it for a good time, not a long time, just playing that tin buzz, then take it as a lesson well earned. And next time, go in with eyes wide open. And, well, quite frankly, a mind as cold as an abattoir worker. Um, that's the nature of the game if you're going to be playing that short-term um, sort of stuff. All right, then, uh, but we'll see what comes out of the capital raising. And, yeah, that'll be interesting um, as well to see what occurs there. Richard, time for you to help us see the line on two stocks that we're going to sit in there and listen to attentively um, and then go and toddle off and do our own research and then possibly go to macro.com.au. That's M-A-Q-R-O.com.au, who provide all the execution services you need to enable your trades plus a range of investment tools uh, and uh, research services basically allowing you to encapsulate all your services in the one place. That's macro, M-A-Q-R-O dot com dot A-U. So, Richard, what two stocks do you want to help us see the light on? I've got a, a special treat for the spotty viewers. Um, two kind of health-based companies. Yep. Um, one we've covered, both we've covered for a very, very long time, Elio. First one, medical developments. We've traded it yep. like, you know, this is one of the stocks we've actually traded um, really well. I mean, it's not a surprise, of course, but sometimes you've got to take it when you can. But, you know, the, the company's now got two, um, two, two ex-senior executives from CSL at the helm. The chairman and, and the um, chief executive um, worked on the, uh, both worked together at CSL. You know, the chairman was the CFO 
and they also ran um, one of the divisions there, um, turning you know turning an operation around. So basically, they've just raised thirty three million in cash. We like the product, you know, their famous product, green um, green whistle. But like you know, the sales are low. There's a lot of potential. So I think um, it's going to be interesting to see what these two guys can do. Um, the other one, Maine Pharma, well, they've been through a tough time. Like, yeah. um, you know, you look at this, this, the stock, it's been very difficult, very difficult period for them facing a, the twin problems of generic um, drug price deflation and the COVID-related difficulties with dermatology practices closing in the US, and that's hit their branded drug side. They got around $400 million in revenue, but next month, they've got one of their key trials coming up for FDA potential approval. It's called Nextelis. It's a contraceptive drug. So they're, they're looking down the barrel of peak, peak sales of $200 million for Nextelis. So, uh, you know, it's very much a contrarian play. Uh, you know, there's a bit of risk attached to it. But I think, you know, it's definitely worth your spotty viewers having a look at. Yeah, and I was just having a bit of a little look here. And other than the difference being one letter, so with Medical Developments MVP and with Main MYX, the other major difference is one is currently trading on a PE of 900 and the other is trading on a PE of 8. So there you go. We've got uh, all types of stocks to float your boat no matter what faith you believe in when it comes to this wonderful religion called investing. Frank, just to keep it crazy, why don't you tell us two stocks to see the light on that we're going to again listen attentively to and then we'll toddle off and do our own research to see if they align with their own personal objectives and tolerance to risk. Yeah, I've uh, probably gone a bit speculative uh, this month, but uh, I like the look of SO4. Oh, okay. Um, on a close above 50 cents, and it's uh, pretty much there right now. We had a, a significant low on the 18th of December. We had a, a new high and closed the gap uh, 27th of January. We backed off to make a lower low uh, early March and we're now pushing towards a higher high. So pretty classic or potentially a classic setup. From a technical point of view, uh, I, I note uh, the name or the word potash in the code. So uh, that might be something to think about. The second one, and uh, this could be pretty wild, BD1, Bard Life Sciences. Uh, if we go back 10th of Feb, we were trading around 70 cents. By the 16th of Feb, we were at $5.60. So a fair bit of FOMO attached to that one. But since then, they've settled down. We've got a couple of higher lows. And again, if we can just convincingly break through the $4 level, uh, I think there could be a fair bit left in BD1. Not sure what they're up to, but healthcare uh, looks very interesting. That's my two. Okay, sorry, that was DD1, wasn't it? I'm just trying to... Sorry, BD. Uh, oh, Bravo, sorry, BD. Yeah, 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 yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, and, and, yeah, the Bard Life Sciences. And, yeah, with regards to um, SO4, Potash, well, you know, looking to be that first producer out of the US, strategic mineral uh, used to make potassium, then fertiliser and a whole bunch of stuff. 
It's got a few magic words in the principal activities. Um, I'm glad you can fill me in on the fundamentals, Elio. They're very important. <laughs> Well, I don't know if they'll come to fruition yet, but that's why we bring it to everyone's attention to see if we can get in yep. early, and that's why we saw the light with Macro Capital. Go to macro, that's M-A-Q-R-O dot com dot A-U to learn more about their services today. Well, that's all we have time for. So on behalf of all of you, first, I want to extend a huge thank you to Richard Hemming from Under the Radar Report for your contribution today and for have, helping us sniff out those opportunities. Thank you very much. Great to be a part of it, Elio. Thanks for having me. No, thank you as always for your insights. And that's undertheradarreport.com.au to get that free 14-day trial there just on the homepage. You can't miss it. And to the great man, Frank Watkins from across the ditch in WA from Pro Trader Software, thank you for getting up early and for contributing your insights to today's session. Absolute pleasure, Elio. Anytime. No, you're a great man. Remember, uh, protrader.com.au is... Uh, oh, sorry, protradersoftware.com is where you can go to get that free trial. And if you've got a spare tenant to drop on something other than something stupid online, then I could tell you what, there'd be better places, not many better places to put it than in his 50 best trading tips of all time. Tomorrow, we've got Ron Shamgar from Tamam Asset Management and our great friend Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems, who will most likely join us from here in the studio. If a question pops up into your head, then send in an early question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480-079-089. It's open all hours. Um, as always, we're on the lookout for new talent, particularly technical analysts. So let me know um, any suggestions and I'll tell you what, I'll let you know if I've tried them already. Thanks again to our sponsor, ShareWealth Systems. And remember to download, download the ebook, 16trades.com. And until tomorrow, whew, glad I got that one out. I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Take care.